Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome and thanks for listening. This segment of the show is brought to you by Hankin Patent Law and features John Nelson, who's joining us from California Capital Partners here in Irvine, California. John, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're going to talk about optimizing the investment experience. I can't wait to dive into that. But before we get started, we always like to start by getting to know a little bit about our guests, John. So if you could share with us a little bit about your personal and professional background and how you got into this line of work. All right. Well, I started actually in medical school and decided that wasn't for me. Migrated to become an economist, became a professor, got recruited out of that to do some consulting work, went to private industry, um, got with a company that actually was growing very fast. We needed venture capital, so we attracted venture capital. I was involved in that. And after attracting that venture capital, the venture capitalist recruited me. And uh, I became a venture capitalist. So that's where I've been for about 30 years. Along the way, I've been a Series 7 investment banker. And um, kind of invest in all kinds of things. Uh, changes through time. First it was semiconductors. Now it's wireless. Is that the kind of deals that CalCap looks for now? Is is uh, primarily technology? Technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We uh, don't say always. We do own a beer company, a, a vitamin beer company. We say that technology bio- and beer. Okay. Biotech <laughs> because it's got vitamins in it. Okay. Well, I'll go for that. <laughs> that sounds like a winner to me. Um, what makes companies investable when you're looking at a company? Primarily the management. Uh, we invest in teams first. In fact, I, I always say we give three weights to the team, not one star. We like a team. Uh, second to the market, and I mean the broadest sense, it's a rapid growing market. There's barriers to entry, that the product is market ready. And lastly, the product or service itself, we give one weight too. That's only 17% of our decision is on the product itself. Um, few entrepreneurs realize that. They all think their baby's the best. They want to show you their baby. But the way they do should show us them. We want their genotype. What have they done before? Have their people been with them? So I have a company now, for example, real quick example, that's had three successes for investors. The management team under the CEO has been together for over 20 years. You know, their kids call each other uncle and aunt mm-hmm. uh, because of, that's cohesive and they're loyal. And that's a good sign of a great team. So let's talk about that. So you, when you're looking at a team and you first look at a company and they say, here's who we have, uh, how important is it that they've had that uh, cohesiveness or do you look for uh, a group that's put together that's had a lot of different experiences? Like, is it better to have one manager who's been with 10 companies for the last tw- uh, over the last 20 years or one company for the last 20 years? I wish I could give you a simple answer that it, it, it I'd have to say it depends. Obviously, we like a team that's been together for a while because the entrepreneurial experience and dealing with investors is a roller coaster ride. Um, there's Everyone likes to talk about the good days and how much money we're going to have. There's some rough days often, too. There's some things that have to be turned around and some difficult decisions. So having a team that can stick together and weather difficulty is important. That being said, there's some young people who've never done it that we back. Um, But they seem, we use the term in our industry, coachable. They're amenable. They're amenable to us bringing in some, uh, we call adult supervision, 
to work with them. Sometimes it's in operation. Sometimes it's just on the board. Very good. So um, I think our listeners should really pay heed to that. We hear, we've heard that a lot from investment bankers and from uh, private equity groups that you really need to spend time explaining who's on your team talk about the depth of those people and really paint your picture because it's the management that a lot of these groups are looking for. So I, I like the fact that you validated that. And, and then you said it's the market before product. So is it what, where the market's headed, what it's doing right now, or what do you look for there? Um, yeah. One of the questions I frequently give um, entrepreneurs when they're presenting their first PowerPoint slides, for example, is that who's your biggest customer going to be in the next year? Um, I'm surprised that 90% can't tell me. They haven't thought it through. They haven't made contacts. I said, why is it blue instead of gold? Why is it rounded instead of square? In other words, have they designed the product with the market demands or expectations in mind, or do they think they know because they're scientists or engineers and they know what's best for the market? We like deals where the market tells the entrepreneur what we want. We like the product. So for a Clayton point, I started actually with Digital Equipment Corporation, which had DEC had wonderful products I consider superior to IBM's, but they didn't know how to sell them. They had a, a monitor that looked like ET's head, and everybody at that time wanted something the size of a microwave oven sitting on their desk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So IBM was very good at giving the market what it wanted. They were great marketers. DEC were great engineers. Who won? IBM one. Mm -hmm. Good point. So paying attention to the trends of the market and thinking ahead as to who is your customer going to be. That's what you said, right? Not not who is your customers today, who are your customers today, but who are you targeting and who's, who big is going to be buying this in the year? What's your vision for that? And what have you done to link your vision with where you are today? Correct. In, in our kind of investing, most tech investing, the investors are looking for some type of inflection point. It's called the hockey stick or the J curve, the point at which sales grow off and go up exponentially. Yes. That has to, you have to have a view to the future. You have to see what demand is going to be, what's pent up, what don't people have. And uh, do, do a lot of people look at that and and are they able to paint a picture for what that's going to look like and how they will need to be structured or grow to to deal with that growth or or what do you what do you see out there uh, well some entrepreneurs have that vision uh, particularly serial ones because they've been in the situation they've forecast correctly and been on the mark and that's how everyone's happy and made money uh, others have to be again coachable and amenable to the arguments been made if if the entrepreneur picks its investment investors and board well, they will uh, have a team, a comprehensive team, that includes that vision. And in all my world, I've spent about 35 years in this now, um, I know the importance of forecasting the future. What type of things cause you to walk away in a hurry? Uh, arrogance. Mm -hmm. I'm a star and I know best. I always have to be CEO. Be look at Bill Gates did it, so so can I. Um, I'd like to, in all deference to Bill Gates, I don't think he was ever the prime minister. He was the queen. Mm -hmm. He brought on before they went IPO a professional manager from the outside, the guy from Radio Shack. Mm -hmm. um, so he he knew a, a role. He was the inspirational, a technology guide, but he wasn't an operations guy at to start. He learned those skills after a while. So it's somebody who, again is amenable, 
coachable, um, reasonable that we can talk with and work out something. And then sometimes we'll all be wrong. Then we have to go back and, and they don't get shocked. And they don't like, like a deer in the headlights. Right. We can go back, retool it, reposition the company and keep going. I'm talking with John Nelson of California Capital Partners. We're going to take a quick break and come back and ask John to share some tips, ideas, and precautions that you can use. So please stay tuned. Business succession and exit planning is hard, and everyone says you should start early. But where can you hear a lot of ideas from a lot of professionals so you can decide what's best for you? At ExitCoachRadio.com, we're interviewing over 150 advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Business owners. If you came back from lunch and there was a resignation letter on your desk, which employee would you really, really not want it to be from? What are you doing to prevent this from happening? At Exit and Retirement Strategies, we design plans that attract, motivate, and retain key employees. For a free consultation, call Bill Black, the Exit Coach, at 866-370-3774. Call today. Welcome back, friends. Just a reminder that we've interviewed dozens of advisors on a wide variety of topics, and you will find all of their interviews and highlights online at exacoachradio.com or on itunes.exacoachradio.com. I'm talking with John Nelson from California Capital Partners. And, John, before the break, we talked about the importance of management, market, and then product when you look at companies and figure out who you think you can take uh, and grow and, and, uh, and work with. Um, now, uh, we got through uh, management and market. What about the product? Do, do people sometimes uh, are so proud of, are they so proud of their baby that they're, they're say, look, this is what it's like and this is it? Or do you have to come in a lot of times and say, well, uh, we're going to do some research on this and we're going to have to come back and again, you might have to change your product design around a bit or how does that work? Well, I think the latter example you gave is more likely. Um, one credibility loser for entrepreneurs when they said there's no competition. I hear that about 50% of the time. Um, I'm not absolutely right, but I say there's always competition. If we look at any of the great breakthroughs of history, the theory of evolution, Spencer and Wallace, the only difference between them and Darwin is Darwin's couple months ahead in publishing. Um, so there's lots of products out there. We have a wonderful new digital stethoscope we've been looking at now. Does lots of great things. Um, we think it probably does have competitive advantages over, but the management wasn't aware of some of the competition. They didn't do their homework because they're so focused. We've invented this great thing and nobody can have this. Right. And, and it's important to, to take the, you know, take your blinders off and look around and see what else is going out there, especially if you're coming to someone like your firm and at California Capital Partners. Uh, uh, what advice would you give someone who says, well, I might want to work with Cap California Capital Partners, I might want to work with someone else, uh, how important is it for them to vet someone like your firm? It's absolutely critical. Um, again, uh, perhaps too many entrepreneurs don't put enough work in this. They get a name, they look in a directory, they start pitching out uh, broadcast emails or phone calls. Big mistake. One is you need to be introduced by a third party, usually to a primary investor, and you have to find the right person to introduce you. 
Then after they make that introduction or say, hey, I think CalCap might be interested in your company, say a law, your law firm or an IP attorney, uh, do work on us and know us and find out which person in the, in the firm is the right person to talk to. And now you can know that. Most firms, not ours, unfortunately, but most firms publish their portfolio. Look at that portfolio and look for companies that look like yours. If you're in the wireless medical space, say, have they made these kinds of investments before? If they haven't, you probably shouldn't talk to them. If they have, find out which partner leads those investments. Call the CEO of some of the companies that have already been invested in and say, hey, I've got this company. We think we're great. And we think the firm that backed you would be good for us. Could I buy you coffee or lunch or something like that? In 90%, I'd say more than that, the guy will talk to you. Great. That way you know something. Well, that's, that's great advice. Let's, let's back up a little bit now. I'm sure our listeners are wondering. Um, first of all, you said you should be introduced to firms. Uh, who introduces you? Who's the, who's the most likely person that's going to introduce you to a firm? I'd, I'd say there's um, sort of two camps. Past entrepreneurs in your space that had financing from the outside. That's always a good source. And it's probably our number one source because we've been in the business a long time. We have over 350 companies that we've successfully exited. So our past entrepreneurs send us a lot of deals. Okay. Uh, and we trust them. They trust us. It's a good relationship. So if you can find someone who's done what you you want to do in your space and ask them who they used. Yeah. Very simply. Yeah, and they have a real-world experience. Okay. And they say, you know, this partner is reasonable. This guy's a real, you know, blankety-blank. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, but that's good to know. And get, hopefully, get, hopefully they like you and they're going to send you to the right place. Yeah. <laughs> the second camp are professionals, professional service providers. Um, the traditional sort of thing is accountants and attorneys. Um, we probably get... 80% from attorneys and less than 20% from accountants. I think the accountants might be a little less risk averse. They don't want to get out there. Any specific area of law that they would be more likely than another? Well, a transactional attorneys in corporate law, securities law are number one because they do M&As and types of financing transactions. They're in this business. And secondly, IP attorneys, intellectual property attorneys. Yes, okay. Now, uh, if if someone belonged to an association or organization, and that was an indicator that they might be plugged into this kind of thing, what would that organization be? Um, I, I'm sorry, could you rephrase? Yeah, that? Or the I, legal organization or the well, the, there's. Uh, I'll give you an example: is um, ACG, right? Okay. Association for Corporate Growth. They seem to have a lot of m a people in there and a lot of uh, private equity groups or things like that yes. so if if you're looking at your attorney's linkedin profile for instance and you say oh they belong to um this other group or this association within that i'm just wondering if there's a telltale sign that they might be aware of of who to go to yeah well there was a, there's a handful of of attorneys um that tend to do the vast majority of private equity transactions and most of them will list on their websites and most of them are either large regional or national firms um, anybody of course will do the work because there's too many attorneys in the u.s 
Right. No. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot we'll, we'll of talk about that another day. <laughs> but but um, yeah, my concern was that for the the small business owner with a great idea who knows they can get this hockey stick thing going <laughs> of growth, but they don't really have a good attorney that they work with currently, and now they're looking for someone. So when they're searching, they should probably be looking for. Um, uh, transactional attorneys or people that uh, have intellectual property like yeah. you say who, who deal with ideas and and things that grow fast or put in a string a, a string that says you know legal venture capital or something like that they'll get most of the names and you'll look for the firms that find themselves around hubs like boston new york uh, silicon valley san diego orange county and it's the same firms that have offices in all those perfect places. thank you i didn't mean to spend that much time on it but some yeah. of our listeners are wondering how do we sure. do that now they get introduced and now they the they're advisor or their friend tells them here's a few companies now go do your due diligence and see what their portfolio looks like and make sure that somewhere in there is a company that looked like you used to, like you do now or used yes. to look like you do now right correct most most investors um even we view ourselves as sort of a generic investor we don't do one we're not just communications or just medical but yet there's modalities there's things we don't do uh, so if you look at the portfolio or just talk to other people that have been invested into by a firm, it'll give you an idea of what their interests are. So, for example, there's a Silicon Beach now in Santa Monica area. A lot of that's involved with new media, uh, Internet space types of deals, gaming, etc. So you, there's modalities. San Diego has always been very big in medical and biotech. Um, so, you, you know, as they say, if you want to catch fish, you got to go where the fish are. Well, and part of the reason is because there might be synergies within that group as well that are going to help you grow even faster, right? That's right. And investors usually don't like to invest all by themselves. You know, uh, they always say misery loves company. So uh -huh. <laughs> uh, most investors have a requirement that at least one other professional investor comes in. Is the outlook for, for uh, private equity and for uh, private equity groups... Uh, positive still right now because of low interest rates there's a, and there's a lot of money out there. What do you think the outlook is? Actually, I don't think the outlook is very good for traditional venture capital because it's moved later stage. There are some newer uh, seed funds, but I know some very good colleagues with great track records, good histories that haven't been able to raise new funds and there's a lot of money sitting out there in pension funds, in corporations, some of the traditional sources for limited partners, and they just haven't been moving. Now, counterpoint to that, one area that you read a lot about for the last five years, that's called the new venture capital industry is family offices. Uh, they're sort of filling the gap. So wealthy or affluent families acting almost as private equity funds or investing in private equity funds are becoming. And for that reason, actually, CalCap, we took a controlling interest in a multifamily office last year. Very interesting. Now, um, if someone wants to find out more about CalCap um, and talk to you about what you do and maybe how you can help them, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, calcappartners.com and then get introduced to somebody <laughs> and then get introduced to somebody like yeah, actually we're we're very odd we don't publish a phone number or a address on our website because we don't want unsolicited information um, there's a legal problem with getting unsolicited business plans so 
but anyone, you could talk to any major attorney in town and maybe they'll know us. And is your does your website have resources that they can learn more about what you do yes. and that type of thing? Yeah, that we typical about. descriptive information of what we do and how we do it. Sorts well, of it's been a very interesting interview. I, I appreciate you coming in. I'd like to Thank have you. you back sometime and go deeper into this topic because I think our listeners will find it very interesting Thank to you. learn more about what's really inside of these deals, you know, and, and how they can position themselves to take advantage of this. Yeah, it's exciting. I, 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 always, I don't tell my partners, but it's a pay-to-work job. <laughs> John Nelson from California Capital Partners, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing over 250 top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 